Well, the Edmonton Oilers come up short in St. Louis. The Blues get a couple of goals early. The Oilers tie it up, but then St. Louis takes it home for a 4-2 victory. So the Oilers' record drops to 18-12 on the season. Mike Smith back in action tonight. He takes the loss, stopping 29 out of 33. Jordan Bennington, your winning goaltender in this game. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Well, first of all, Rob, uh, I mean a dominant performance by that one line of the St. Louis Blues, Jordan Jordan Cairo and Vladimir Tarasenko leading the way. Both guys had a goal and two assists. Well, you, we talked about it between periods. It, we don't always get an opportunity to see some of the, the superstars around the National Hockey League. And these are underrated superstars. Cairo is a fantastic young hockey player and, and confident and skilled. And we saw that on display time and time again. Uh, Tarasenko, we've heard for years, he's, all he does is score goals. Uh, there was rumors earlier in the season that he was on his way out or wanted out. I watched him being interviewed after the game, after getting first star with a big smile on his face. He was excellent, and he's bought into the system. Late in the game, you saw him down uh, behind his own net, uh, pestering McDavid, uh, playing strong defensive hockey, and that's what the way St. Louis wins, is by being a good defensive team, not giving up a lot of chances. But the, the number one line for the St. Louis Blues were all over the Edmonton Oilers all game long. Uh, they scored the three goals, probably could have had a couple more, and they just created havoc. And because of that, the St. Louis Blues are much deserving of the 4-2 victory that they got. Yeah, well, like I said, they got a couple early. Uh, you know, they were up 2 nothing, 6.59 in the game. So the Oilers, the, the old problem of falling behind, bites them one way or another. Edmonton did fight back. They, they had some good moments. There were times where you felt they, they were right back in the game, Rob. But then I thought... The final 25 minutes of this game was was not close. St. Louis was in control. They got the lead. They extended the lead on the power play. Um, I mean, the Oilers had a couple of decent looks in, in the third period. I know Bennington made that a good save on Barry and that other play where Fogel uh, didn't get a lot on it with the open net and Bennington was able to reach back and stop it. But, but I mean, really, those were the, the only two chances. I never really felt like the Oilers were threatening to get back in it in the third period. Well... We, we talk about it a lot uh, because it unfortunately happens a lot. When you fall behind, especially by a couple goals, which the Oilers seem to, when they lost six in a row, was every game they were down 2 nothing. You have to play perfect hockey from the rest of the way in. And you, you fight your way back, you get some breaks, you get a couple goals, you relax a little bit, then you make that mistake, and everything that you've done is now for naught. And that's just because you've exerted so much energy pushing trying to get back in the game that one mistake and that deflates you. you you finally get back and you're tied you're on even footing and then you make a big mistake and it was a big mistake because it was a uh, a play where the Oilers had players back and Tarasenko the Blues number one goal scorer turns it into a breakaway and you, you just can't give up those chances and then after that with St. Louis going into the third period up a goal with a power play to come they get to play their game they don't have to trade chances they don't have to take any uh risks and they they forced the oilers to have to go through five guys because there was no odd man breaks the Oilers weren't getting two on ones three on twos i mean the i i'd have to go back and re-watch the game but i would think that st louis had seven odd man breaks in this game including a two on oh <laughs> a two on oh i mean you rarely get two on o's in practice in the National Hockey League, let, in, let alone in a game. So St. Louis took full advantages of the chances they got, and then once they got the lead in the third period, as you said, they just took charge. They closed it down. They dumped pucks in. They just forced the Oilers to have to go through them to beat them, 
and that's tough to do in the National Hockey League. All right, so St. Louis takes it 4-2, start of a five-game road trip for your Edmonton Oilers, who are coached by Dave Tippett. What was your assessment of uh, the night? Uh, we made a couple mistakes early and got behind early and chased the game. We, we were around a little bit, but uh, turned over a lot of pucks and ended up chasing. And when you've been off for 11 days, that's not an ideal situation. Well, Mike had a lot of work, but yeah. he looked like he had certainly not missed the amount of time yeah. that he missed. Or what did you think of his? No, he was, he was he was good in the net and out of the net. Moved the puck very well. We uh, we hung him out to dry there in a couple of those. Uh, a couple of those odd number breaks that uh, he didn't have any chance on, but it's good for him to get back in there and get going. Do you have any turnover, turnovers tonight, Dave, in order to win? Yeah, we, you, you turn the puck over and you chase the game. And that happened, I mean, we're chasing the game early and we're you're trying to make something happen, but uh, ultimately when you turn those pucks over, you're spending a lot of energy trying to get it back instead of playing with it. I know you guys had to uh, shorten the, the bench on the defensive side. How did you feel like your group reacted to that? Well, it's lots coming back out of that. We, uh, young Sammy had a tough start, so Jimmy decided to go, go down with five. And, um, you know, we hung around it, but just we made too many mistakes to, to, uh, to get it back to where we needed to. When you look at the contrast of back-to-back -back games, granted there's 11 days in between, what were some of the things that were lacking from Seattle uh, the effort in Seattle uh, that we did. Well, see we, we were sound. We were sound. Just our forecheck was sound. We uh, didn't give out um, out number breaks. Our our puck play was simple. And and tonight, like I say, we got down early, and then the puck play gets more complicated because you're trying to get back in the game, and uh, you know, end up uh, chasing it. All right, that's Dave Tippett after the Oilers lose 4-2 in St. Louis. Rob, he was asked about Dmitry Samarukov, who played two minutes and 28 seconds. And was minus two, so that 228 coming in the first 659 of the game. Now, it was his first NHL appearance. Uh, you know, clearly, especially on the second goal, he just, you know, got beat, looked like an inexperienced defenseman. Uh, having said that, how do you get experience? You get experience by, by, by playing. I mean, that uh, taking him out of the game with 53 minutes to go, is, is that excessive in your mind? I mean, should have he still been worked in? Oh, <laughs> Probably, yeah, he should have been. I, I think at that point the coaching staff is thinking uh, maybe he's in over his head. Um, and Mooner and I were talking at the end of the game that this poor kid went from an emotional high. Uh, this is the best day of my life. I'm finally realizing uh, a lifelong dream. I'm playing in the National Hockey League to seven minutes into the game, he's sitting on the bench wondering what went wrong, wishing he could put a, push a reset button. And it would have been tough. I've, I've not been in the position that he was in. I've been in a position where you get benched and you're just sitting there rethinking over what you could have done different. Now, it's being benched as an older player is one thing. Being benched as, your, as a young kid, I, that would have been a tough, tough night for him. Now, the first, first goal, there was other mistakes on the first goal because Bouchard misplayed it at the blue line. The puck got caught up in his Semarukov's feet and it turned into a two-on-o. Oh. The second one, it was just a very skilled player in Cairo that Semarukov hasn't seen before. You know, he's been playing in the American Hockey League. Players that can do what Cairo do don't play in the American Hockey League. And he got caught. So uh, was it excessive? Probably. Um, did he save the kid from being embarrassed? Possibly. But as you said, he, you can only judge what a player can do by watching him play and the leash was obviously very very short because if that was a 
a Bouchard or a Keith or a Cece, there would have been other opportunities for those players to make amends. So uh, I just feel for the kid. I know that before the game uh, we talked about, and I know that you talked about uh, quite a bit about how we everyone feels right now for all those young players on the World Juniors missing their opportunity to play in the World Juniors because it's cancelled. Well, I have that same feeling in my stomach right now for this young defenseman who lifelong dream ends in a nightmare and he doesn't get to enjoy the feeling of playing in your first game. All right, so the Blues win at 4-2. It was Dreisaitl and Bouchard scoring for Edmonton Oilers. Our adjustment of the game is the return of Mike Smith for Pro Drain Text. For peace of mind down the line, Smith winds up stopping 29 out of 33. Rob, what did you think of his performance? Uh, f- fine. Uh, it, 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 you look at the goals that he gave up. It was a breakaway to Tarasenko, who's the best goal scorer that St. Louis has. It's a 2-on-0. Uh, where, I mean, in practice, if you go on a 2-on-0 and you make passes like that, the goalie swings his stick at you because he's mad. Uh, there's the power play goal where Saad was standing in front of the net uh, by himself. He put it in the back of the net. And then I can't even remember what the Thomas goal was now, or, or that was the 2-on-0 goal. Oh, and then there was the Cairo goal where he turned uh, Samarukov inside out and he walked in. So he had no no chance in any of the goals. Uh, he looked confident in net. He looked comfortable. He was very good at playing the puck. He had the one problem where he dropped his stick and then went behind the net and rimmed the puck with his blocker. Uh, I, he's probably okay with his performance. He's a professional and a perfectionist and, and obviously will tell you that he will be better, and I'm sure he will, but uh, this one was nothing to do with goaltending by the Edmonton Oilers. This one had to do with some poor play, some loose play, and by falling behind early in a hockey game against a good team. All right, so uh, the, we talked about the special teams before the game, Rob, how you know that could be a key if, if a team could even get one power play goal. The Oilers coming in first on the power play, St. Louis third, but both penalty kills good, Edmonton seventh, and uh, St. Louis eighth. So we'll uh, update the power plays here for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with locations in St. Paul, Westlock, and Vegreville. Check out Extreme with an X, powerproducts.com. So St. Louis goes one for four. The Oilers go 0 for one. So not a lot of uh, chances there for the Oilers, but ultimately that one power play goal for St. Louis turned out to be really big, extended it to 4-2. Their power plays is good. What do you see that makes theirs effective uh, and are, are there any similarities to what the orders do? There are some similarities, and, and Mooner and I talked about it. The When you are a successful power play, you have guys that are capable of doing both, goal scoring and passing. If you are a stagnant power play, if you are uh, one-dimensional, that means everybody has one job on the ice. Okay, this guy's going to pass. This guy's the retrieval guy. This guy stands in front of the net. Uh, something along that line. But St. Louis is a lot like Edmonton, where uh, Tarasenko is a goal scorer, but he makes some nice plays. Uh, you got Krug at the back end, who's capable of putting pucks on net, and he's the one that's setting up the one-timer. Perron can shoot or pass. O'Reilly can shoot or pass. They've got a net front presence. Uh, they are capable of beating you a bunch of different ways, and they are not afraid to move around. They're not standing still. They go to different spots on the ice, and they feel comfortable doing it. Uh, and a, a big thing, and one of the big reasons, that it's probably overlooked, but one of the big reasons the Oilers' power play is successful is Leon Dreisettle? I don't know what his face-off percentage is on power plays, but it's got to be somewhere up 70%. Uh, 
So you're starting on the power play with the puck on your stick in the offensive zone. Well, Ryan O'Reilly's along that line too. He's 57%, I think, on the season in face-offs. So when he's out on the power play, they're winning the draw. So now they're set up immediately, which gives you the full two minutes in the offensive zone or the opportunity at. So I think St. Louis, another reason they're good on their power play is they, they win face-offs and they start with the puck on their stick. Yeah, Blues full marks for the win tonight, uh, 4-2 over the Edmonton Oilers. Their record bumps up to 18-9-5. The Oilers are now 18-12. They'd won in a couple in a row on the heels of that six-game losing streak, but now take another defeat tonight as they start a five-game road trip. Okay, you can get in touch on the Certainty Hotline, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty pro all the way. Of course, the number 780-496-0063. We have Steve standing by. Hey, Steve, go ahead. Hey, it's Steve from Chicago. We came down today from Chicago to watch the Oilers play here in St. Louis. Uh, good talking to you guys. Best hockey talk in the world. We love Chad. Listen to it every day. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Three quick points. Three quick points. First, I don't know if you guys saw the warm-up. The Oilers were standing around. I said to my son, I said, look, look at the difference between how the Blues are warming up and the Oilers. Something was going on. They had no energy in warm-up. They came out, they're down right off the bat. This is a team that does not come back. I mean, if they don't, if they're not winning after the first period, they're what, 0-11? So that did not look good. Secondly, we heard Dave Tippett talk. I've got a feeling that might be the last time you hear Dave Tippett talk as the coach of this team. I think uh, it's just no energy. There's just no creativity. It took them until, what, six minutes to go in the game to put Dreisaitl on the ice with McDavid. I mean, you're down. You're chasing the game. You have the two best players in the league. Don't forget that the two coaches that have knocked him out of the playoffs in the last two years have been fired for incompetence, but somehow Tippett keeps coaching. You've got Maurice was gone. I don't buy that he resigned. He was, you've got Colleton gone, and Tippett stays around. The third thing, the third point I'd like to make is your glacial GM. How many years have you guys been talking about subpar goaltending? How many years have you guys been talking about the lack of depth on this team? And now it shows itself more than ever tonight with the lack of depth. Why are they hanging on to first-round picks when you've got two of the best players in the history of the game in the prime of their career? Let's start moving some things around and get this thing going. Let's try and win a couple. We've got guys in their prime. Best hockey talk ever, guys. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, that was a good hockey call. Very uh, good, yes. Though I don't agree with everything uh, <laughs> Steve said. I, look, I, 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 I find it interesting, and I see some of the discussion online, though I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, but I see things uh, pop up. There are really a lot of people who have the, pitchfork, uh, the pitchforks out for uh, Dave Tippett. Uh, here's here's how my response and and look tip is not a perfect coach we've uh you know we criticized him for for shortening the bench to the extent he did in that triple overtime game we, we didn't understand the deployment of all the players in the uh, loss to chicago in in the bubble series so so there are things we can we can talk about uh i i, I don't see i don't think this is going to be dave tippett's last game I, I mean sure if the Oilers lose 13 of 15 or whatever i mean anything's uh on on the table but part of the reason the orders have been such a poor franchise for a lot of time since the, over the last 15 years has been multiple coaching changes so i i don't i really don't think anything is imminent there well uh, and, and one of the reason you have multiple coaching changes is your team's not good enough 
I mean, if if every coach is having the same problems, it probably means you don't have the right players. Now, having said that, the, the Oilers have had regular season success. They're a much better team now than they were three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. They're, they're a consistent playoff team. Uh, they had a great start to the season. They've hit a bit of a dry spell right now where they're not playing as well. Um, he made some good points about depth players and goaltending. Now, they have tried to get a goaltender. They made a big offer in to get Markstrom. Uh, that fell through. And then Mike Smith came and had a, 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 an incredible season last year, and they were hopeful that he'd be able to replicate that this year, and injuries have affected him. So it's not as though they haven't tried to get a goaltender. They did. Uh, they are still hoping that Mike Smith gets back to last year's um, level. And if he does, if he plays like he did last year, this is a good hockey club. If uh, he's an average goaltender, well, the one thing that we've seen is the Oilers 5-on-5 five five aren't a great 5-on-5 five five team. They still aren't. They're top-heavy. And when their top players don't put the puck in the net with, you know, score two or three a night, they're not getting depth scoring. So there are things, there are improvements this team needs to make. And I don't know if they can make enough of them this year or not, but the biggest thing, and the caller talked about it, their goaltending has to be, it can't be average. The Oilers, I don't think the Oilers are a good enough team to win with average goaltending. They need good to very good goaltending for them to be a team that's going to move on not only in the regular season, but to move on and win playoff series. And, and here's, and here's, and you know what, this, if I absolutely, I like, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear uh, thoughts on, on Dave Tippett. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we can focus on that tonight if people want, because, because he's been, he's been brought up a lot, but I mean, here's the things I would, I would challenge Steve on, on a couple of things he said, his energy in his post game interviews. Don't talk to me about that. Bill Belichick is arguably the greatest <laughs> NFL coach of all time. And he's, he intentionally is trying to put people to sleep in his interviews. Well, and so are, and so are the Sutters. When Daryl Sutter was winning Stanley Cup with the LA Kings, he intentionally had the worst interviews ever after the game. He and his brother, like, they intentionally went in there to... I think they had a... They would pull a card out in their in their coach's room and say, okay, the card is seven. Number seven, I'm only going to say seven words total in my press conference. So as far as press conferences, there's some... And I've played for some really colorful coaches that like to talk in the press conference. Couldn't coach their way out of a paper bag, but they could talk. And, and the other thing... And this is an interesting thing Steve brought up. Uh... And, and and this is this I find really divides people that, that talk to us, Rob. So um, Steve said, why did he wait so long to put McDavid and Dreisaitl together? And then we get other people on the side of the fence that if they they do play together or start a game together, then we get the the feedback. Well, wait a minute, we're supposed to try and diversify and not have them on the same line. So I feel like uh, for Tippett, there he's not going to win. No, no matter what so uh hey phone lines are open on dave tippett if you want to ask rob a question about his approach the style the deployment that's that's fair and i, and I think steve did bring up some good points yep. but i would challenge him back on the energy in the post-game interviews and the usage of mcdavid and dreisaitl because no matter what he does again to me the post-game interview thing is is irrelevant i i, I really don't i don't think that matters using mcdavid and dreisaitl yes but like I was saying, when the Oilers lose a game, uh, however he used McDavid and Dreisaitl is going to get questioned. It will, it'll be the wrong way. Whichever, right. Whatever he did, that was the wrong way when they lose. But uh, when they win, it didn't matter which way did them either because they won. But 
the Oilers, for the Oilers to be a good playoff team, and that's what they're striving to be, Connor and Leon playing together, the Oilers are not deep enough in their second and third and fourth lines to be able to win that way because another team will load up and they will put five guys back and they will play a five-man swarm against the top two players knowing that if against the second, third, and fourth lines without a Leon or Connor on it, they'll be able to beat them. So that's why the others want to be able to run two lines. Now, to be able to do that, they need other players like a Yamamoto or a Fogel tonight or a Pugliarvi when he's playing or a Nugent Hopkins to be better five-on-five. They need those players to be better five-on-five for the others to be able to run them separately and that's the goal the, the goal is to have a two-headed monster good teams have that that win championships and the others are still trying to find the right pieces for it yeah and basically he here's what i think will happen i mean re- regardless what i think of of the coach or his performance here's what i think will happen as as an observer and someone who's around the team a lot uh, i think unless there's a complete uh, bottom dropping out in in the standings and in the performance. Dave Tippett will coach the rest of the season. His contract is up, and ultimately, probably the, the the playoff success and how he managed some key points throughout the regular season will determine whether or not he comes back. I mean, I mean, if the Oilers get in again and and they're out in the first round, well, you know, yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a fair comment for sure. Uh, the first round pick, I think that's going to be in play. Quite frankly, uh, I don't think Ken Holland wanted to trade it the last couple of years. Um, I, I, I mean, Holland said it would be in play well, to try to upgrade towards the trade deadline. It'll be in play as long as, and we expect it to be as long as the Oilers are still in the playoffs. You know, in the hunt yes, for sure. Yes, if they are, then yeah, I agree. Everything's in play at that point. Yes, they're going to try to improve themselves to, for a playoff run, uh, and it should be. Uh, but it'll all depend on what the team looks like come trade deadline day. Yeah, and I mean, Ken Holland, uh, I mean, we've talked about it before. He's, he's, I mean, Kyle Turris was, is, did not turn out to fill the role that they wanted. Uh, that hasn't turned out great. I mean, I think there's been some swings and misses. I think, quite frankly, Cody Ceci has probably played better uh, than expected. I, and again, talking about a player that divides a lot of people, Duncan Keith. Is he worth the contract? You know, should have he not traded with Chicago unless some salary was retrained? You know, fair enough, but I don't think that deal was getting done. Uh, otherwise, uh, I think the trade for Warren Fogel is probably still being evaluated. Um, I mean, we're not going to go down, down the list, but, but, but I mean, fair enough. I, I don't think you can say right now you look at the Oilers' duo of coach, manager, and Dave Tippett after two and a half seasons and say it's, it's a grand success. Because I don't, I don't think it has been. I, I fail to see how it's been quite the disaster that some people might believe to this point. But I guess we'll see as the season goes on. No, oh, I, 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 I mean the team has improved. They're a better team than they were three, four years ago. They're a team that uh, is made the playoffs the last couple of years. They're a team that uh, is in a playoff spot right now. Um, there are still warts in their game. Uh, warts in their game. Uh, with their manpower, what they have, what they need. Uh, but again, it's all teams go through stretches where they're not very good. The Oilers right now are going through one of those stretches. And uh, they were the second best team on the ice tonight in St. Louis as the Blues win the game 4-2. Back to the Certainty Hotline, we have Susie standing by. Susie, go ahead. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Good. Okay, so I want to say a couple things. Um, I think the Oilers are a really good team. And I think they have the talent to make it to the playoffs, personally. 
I think they have a lot of depth in their team that we've seen in the couple games before the Christmas break. Okay. So I think that what I I don't know about is the coaching. I, I'm going to be politically correct here and say, because I don't know. I don't see a lot of emotion from Dave Tippett right now. Uh, I, I don't see a lot of things. I like to see a little more depth in or, or a little more switching in the the lines. So I'd like to see Cassian play on the first line with Hyman and McDavid because I feel like he gives a passion to the team moving forward. I, I feel like he brings an energy to the team that when we saw him play on that first line, uh, it was really good. That's what I see. And and maybe we need a little more depth in in our goaltending. More consistency. Um, yeah, thanks, Susie. Yeah, I, obviously, uh, goaltending is everything. And the Oilers, when they're successful, they're usually getting good goaltending. And when they they struggle, their goaltending is average or, or, or worse. Uh, having said that, tonight, to me, isn't on goaltending. They give up four goals because defensively they weren't very good. They gave up too many odd man breaks. I mean, Mike Smith faced a 2-1-0 <laughs> early in a hockey game. So... Uh, they do need consistent goaltending for them to be successful. And Mike Smith gave that to them last year. And for the last year and a half, he's given them that. And they need him to be that same goaltender the remainder of the season. If they, if he is, they have a chance to, to fight for a division title. If he's average or just a little better than average, well, the Oilers, uh, the other warts in their game will hold them back. As for Cassian on the first line, the problem with Cassian is his consistency. Zach Cassian has the ability to change games, and we've seen that at times, where his physicality, his energy, his angriness, his uh, irritability on the ice, all those things create mayhem for the opposition. The problem is you don't see it every shift, and sometimes you don't see it every game, and sometimes it's a couple games you don't see it. And that's why you've seen him look fantastic on the first line, and then... You don't notice him the next two games, and then all of a sudden he's on the fourth line or the third line because he doesn't give the consistency. And when you play on the first or second line, if you play with Connor, you've got to be consistent. It it can't be, oh, you might have an odd shift or two. He was having odd games or off games. So that's why you're not seeing Cassian up there. Um, But, I mean, a good call and, and good points. Uh, it's just that right now when the when the Oilers are not getting the results that they want or you would hope, you start seeing more and more of the the warts in their, their game that some of those things were hidden early in the season because their specialty teams were so good. Yeah, and Cassian, we're not going to see him again into a game uh, until into January as he's in COVID protocol. Nurse, Pugliarvi, and Lagason might be able to play on the 31st when the Oilers visit the New Jersey Devils. The Oilers lose 4-2 tonight. Dreisaitl and Bouchard got the goals, so a $200 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're given 100 bucks every time the Oilers score throughout the season. Okay, we will go back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Sir Robert standing by. Sir Robert, go ahead. Hi, hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Well, oh, well I guess I want to start with a, uh, uh, I I want to start with a couple thoughts on Dave Tippett. Personally, I don't think he's getting fired. I said that earlier. 
two reasons. Number one, who replaces him? You're going to put Gullitson or Playfair in as the end term? Uh, again, nothing against those two. I think they're good coaches, but for now, I think, uh, personally, I think Tippett, he's the... I personally think Tippett is the best option, even though we're, even though the team's struggling. And two, knowing uh, knowing uh, Ken Holland, at least from uh, following him when he was uh, uh, when he was with the uh, uh, Red Wings, he was he didn't. Uh, I honestly don't remember Holland firing a coach very often during the season. Now, now uh, in saying that, a couple points on the game. Obviously, the start was bad. I mean, there's. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Two goals in seven minutes, that's bad. But that's not on Smith. I thought, you know, I thought the, I thought the stretch up until, like, when they tied it and then up until when uh, Tarasenko put the Blues back ahead, I thought the Oilers were fine. And then and then the one thing I noticed after that uh, 4-2 goal in the, in the third period, I noticed the Oilers, after that goal, it seemed like, it seemed like the Oilers it seemed like the Oilers were, I guess, deflated. Yeah, thanks, Robert. We appreciate it. Uh, 780-496-0063. Oilers lose to the uh, Blues tonight to start off their five-game road trip, which would have been a six-gamer, which would have been eight straight away from home. Anyway, there were games postponed, as everybody knows, Rob. And the uh, should touch on this as well uh, before we get back to the phone lines here and some more post-game reaction. We've got Nuge and Bouchard coming up. The World Juniors have been canceled, uh, Rob, and uh, we played a lot of the comments on the face-off show coming into the game tonight from Tom Rennie and Luke Tardif from the International Ice Hockey Federation. Uh, I mean, look, I know Tardif said maybe they do something in the summer. That would be great. Um, but still, it's uh, it's disappointing. I mean, five Oil Kings were in the tournament and uh, total four of them on Canada. And it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 I mean, look, winning a Stanley Cup is very hard, but if you make the NHL, which is very hard to do, but if you're in the NHL, you might be there 5, 8, 10, 12 years and have some playoff runs and maybe you win the cup for a lot of these guys and i know the odd player gets to play in two tournaments most of these canadian kids they're in one tournament and that's the only chance they get and not all these players go on to nhl careers uh and i said this before the games some of these kids this is the biggest thing they're ever going to play in and if they get into a semi-final or into a medal game that's the biggest game they'll ever play in and they they've lost that opportunity um all the people that i mean the kids and families that had tickets that they got for christmas that they this was their one opportunity to see this kind of event they've lost that chance the people that put the time in the 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 people that the volunteers all of these things it's just incredibly disappointing for them and you, you feel for them and it's you know People waited two years. They, they, they had the bubble one, and it was awesome. This was the year everything was supposed to get better, and they're going to have people in the stands. And uh, Yeah, I just, my heart sunk when I heard that today that they were canceling it just for all of these young men that this was a dream come true, that that dream was taken away. And, and I don't blame anyone out of this. This is just the way the world is right now and the way that this uh, virus is going around creating havoc in just about everything in everybody's lives. Uh, you just want to wake up one day and there's a something says in the paper COVID is over and we can go on living our lives the proper way in the way that we all knew. So 
uh, you feel for them. You hope maybe there's a chance. Maybe they do it in the summer. But right now, there's a, a lot of very disappointed young men and a lot of disappointed families. Those moms and dads that came here to see their kids realize one of their lifelong dreams. Uh, they're going home today uh, knowing that their, their son is uh, just a little sadder today than he was when he woke up. Yeah, Oilers fall 4-2 in St. Louis. We'll go back to the Certainty Hotline, 780-496-0063. We have Jamie on the line. Jamie, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hey, guys. First thing, if they fire Dave Tippett uh, six games above 500 in, uh, during the new year here, like, I will lose my, my crap. Like, come on. This is an overreaction. You can't fire the... For one thing, we're not really struggling. We're still in reach of the top spot in the division. And that's just an overreaction. That's typical Edmonton-centric kind of overreaction, man. This coach is is awesome for our team. I I don't understand why we're over and over again. I called in I've called into the show about this before. But to me the pattern is they are too aggressive early in games. They get counter-striked. They get behind. They get frustrated, whatever it is. And the other thing is I think they need more balance, and they can't have more balance now because they still have so many good players out. But when they do get their whole team back, balance out the lines. Because I, I've seen plays tonight where it just seemed – I don't know. It just just seemed unbalanced, but that's all I got. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, well, yeah, clearly the lines are going to look different. Uh, now, every team is going through this, so, so no, <laughs> certainly not an excuse for Edmonton. But, yeah, as hopefully players recover from COVID and injuries and there are limited additions to the injured and COVID list, yes, things are going to look uh, a little different for sure. But uh, I, I really, Rob, I thought for the first I, I thought for the first half of the game, Drysettle, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins were the Oilers' best line tonight. Oh, I thought they were for sure, too. I thought Leon started very strong in this game. They created a number of chances. They scored a goal. Um, it was just... And actually, they, they were minus a couple just on bad luck. And the, I think both of the first two goals they were on for just... It had nothing to do with it. Just some... Uh, sloppy play and, and a young inexperienced defenseman making a mistake or two uh it's it's every team in the national hockey league as you said is dealing with uh different lines different defensive pairings players in the lineup that probably wouldn't have seen the national hockey league this year if it wasn't for covid and you're trying to adapt and get through it the best you can unfortunately for the others they had an inexperienced defenseman tonight that um, probably showed that he's not quite ready for prime time and the mistakes that he made showed up on the scoreboard but i i don't believe the coaching there will be a coaching change i i, I don't even think they're close to that yet um but this is a team that's got to find its way and has now lost seven of its last nine games and that's not good enough this is a team that should challenge for the division title and for one reason or another, they're not getting it done. And there's, there's things that they got to be better at. And the biggest one is five-on-five. Five. This is not a good five-on-five five hockey club. And it's not just their uh, depth players. Their top two lines at times aren't good enough five-on-five. Five. And when you get to the playoffs, when you get into more important games, 
games of one and loss and five on five play and the Oilers have got to improve on that if they want to be a good playoff hockey club all right 4-2 St. Louis wins tonight we're happy to hear from you 7-0-4-9-6-0-0-6-3. Rockets going to be next up you're also going to hear from Nugent Hopkins and Bouchard this is Heartland Ford overtime open line up the left wing, Walker into the Edmonton end, pass across, shot on that nice save made by Smith as the pass came across to Falk, who had jumped up into the play, and Mike Smith makes a good save and holds on. That was in the second period, about 40 seconds before St. Louis would score on Mike Smith and go on to win the game 4-2 over the Oilers. Cam Moon with the call there on the save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. So uh, Mike Smith back in goal tonight. Miko Koskinen was the backup. I would imagine they're going to split the uh, upcoming back-to-back games here. Stuart Skinner goes back to Bakersfield. Philip Broberg onto the taxi squad. And Ilya Konovalov comes up from the minors to be the... Uh, goalie on the uh, taxi squad as the taxi squads have returned we saw them last year during the 56 game season and they uh, now have brought them back all right seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we'll go to rocket on line three go ahead rocket hey guys um, we all know like who we brought in the lineup to uh, increase the the top top nine in terms of forwards and and uh, you know Ken Holland I thought he did a good job and the Oilers had such a great start at you know, 16 and 5, I think it was, and, you know, 11 games over 500. And, yeah, they went on they went on a slide. But uh, um, if there's a criticism with Ken Holland or with uh, Dave Tippett, um, you know, with me, it's, it's – and I'm not even sure it's all him, to be honest with you. I think it's a combination of three things, uh, you know, COVID, injuries, and uh, – uh, perhaps uh, Dave Tippett, and that's their five-on-five play, as, as Rob Brown indicated before the break. I think if there's one knock on Dave, it's it's like the inability to get the team, um, you know, jumping off the start. And I just wanted to know, Rob, what your thoughts were, if you think it's one thing or if you think it's all three things, players, you know, um, whatever it is, mental or or is it is it coaching? Well, it, it's funny. Uh, I I listened to Craig Baruby from the St. Louis Blues this morning uh, in his press interview, and he talked about he didn't want his team to uh, feel try to feel the temperature of the game before before they started to play. And to me, that's a, a great way of expressing what the Oilers do a lot of the nights is they kind of feel their way into the games. Okay, is this going to be a tight checking game? Is this going to be a game where there's going to be a strong forecheck? Is it going to be physical? And they just try to find their way in the game before they decide to start pushing forward. And unfortunately in the NHL now, when you do that, the other team now has a little bit of an advantage to start the game. And, and if we all know that when whatever team scores first, they seem to have the a much better record. Uh, the Oilers find themselves in trouble a lot because they wade into games. They they take their time trying to see what kind of game it is before they start pushing forward. They're not the aggressive team early in a hockey game. Uh, they tend to get outplayed. Now, On this, this isn't something that's just happened with the Dave Tippett teams. This happened under Ken Hitchcock. It happened under Todd McClellan, uh, Dallas Aikens. This team has always been slow out of the gate. And at that point, you're like, okay, it's got to be, you can't just blame a coaching staff. This has got to be on the players as well. Um, uh, Dave Tippett is not a, a, a dumb man. You don't 
coached as many years in the NHL without knowing if some, one thing doesn't work, let's try something else. So I'm sure there's all kinds of different things that have been tried in the dressing room before games to get this team to be a better starting hockey club. So at some point you're saying, okay, you know what? I can't dress 20 different players. Something's got to change in the mindset of the players to be able to start being a better team. Some games they come out sloppy. Some games they come out without energy. Some games they come out with too much energy. It's not one thing right now that is putting the Oilers behind the eight ball in hockey games. Uh, it's a combination of a lot of things. Some nights it's just poor goaltending where they've given up a bad goal early in a hockey game that they were the better team in. So uh, I don't blame the coaching staff on the poor starts. To me, this is something that has been going on for a lot longer than Dave Tippett. 4-2 Blues win it tonight. We will welcome Brian to overtime open line. Hey, Brian, go ahead. Hey, boys, I hope your Christmas was good. I know mine was, and I think that, uh, yeah, true, Oiler fans, uh, we, see the, we see the cause here. And you know what? It's, it's basically, I would put a lot of this on uh, the uh, mindset of where everybody is in the world today, even in sport. Uh, with this uh, disease going on. And uh, I definitely know this is not a coaching issue. This is more of a, a step up. We've got a lot of players that are riding the coattails of other players, and they need to step it up and, and get, it, get it going. Well, I mean, it's a, a very simple way of saying something that's very true, is there's some players that haven't played up to their potential yet, uh, up to their expectations. Uh, you go down the lineup, and there's a number of players you can point out, but it's pretty easy to see uh, certain players, there was ex expectations for them to be better offensively. Certain players, there was an expectation they'd be better physically. Uh, certain players expected to be better stopping goals. So, I mean, there's players that just haven't been as good as they were supposed to be, and when you add those things together, you find yourself in a bit of a streak going the wrong direction. So, you're right, there you can have the two best players in the National Hockey League that doesn't guarantee you victory. You need other players pulling the weight too and some nights they're not getting that. All right, we got to bring you the news and the weather here. That's going to be the horror movie part of the show, Rob. <laughs> I, I can help with that. Cold. Yeah. Very, very cold. Extremely cold. Uh, Frank, you're up next on the uh, Certainty Hotline, so stick with us. Oilers lose 4-2 to the Blues. Uh, like I said, we still got Nuge and Bouchard coming up. We'll update the uh, out-of-town scores as well. Harlan Ford, overtime open line. Back in a few. All right, hope you're having a good night. Oilers fall 4-2 in St. Louis. They fell behind 2-0, 6-59 into the game. Yes, as has become the custom. The Oilers trail early. Drysaddle did score 32 seconds after the Blues' second goal. Oilers were down 2-1. They tied it up with 8-11 left in the second. Bouchard just a couple seconds after McDavid hit the crossbar, but then Tarasenko with 4-14 left in the second period. Bouchard got a penalty right at the end of the second, and then with him in the penalty box to start the third, Brandon Scott, uh, Brandon Sod scores 16 seconds into the third. That was it for the scoring. 4-2 St. Louis wins it, shots 33-28 in favor of the Blues. Mike Smith is back, stops 29 out of 33, and uh, he takes the loss to go to 2-1 and one on the season. Quickly checking the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer, looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. 1-1, Flyers and Kraken in the third. Ducks lead the Canucks 1-0 late in the second period. 
finals from earlier. Capitals outscore the Predators 5-3. Panthers edge the, Ra- edge the Rangers 4-3. And the Devils win in Buffalo 4-3, the final in that one. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We will go to the Certainty Hotline, and Frank is on hold. Hello, Frank. Hey, guys. Good talking to you. Happy New Year before I start anything. And uh, the one word that I'm going to use to describe the Oilers this year again is frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. I sent in a text that said this is like watching a Groundhog Day movie over and over because we keep falling behind. And if I hear Tippett say the word, we're chasing the game once again. I'm gonna, I'm going to shut the radio off, I guess, because you got to do something about it. If you're chasing and you don't play well when you're chasing, maybe you got to change up some of the personnel. I realize that the the, the support players are are not scoring, and uh, it's it's just frustrating, and it's frustrating to watch, and it's frustrating to hear the reasons why. Well, I think you're absolutely right with the frustrating. It is. Um, the expectations were high. The start to the season created even bigger expectations and hopes. Uh, I think there was a couple games in the losing streak where the Oilers uh, probably deserved a better fate. But there's also been some games this year where the Oilers won where they certainly didn't deserve it. Uh, the reason that Dave Tippett says chasing over and over again, because they are, this is, I don't know, Reed, you might know better than me. Isn't that seven times in the last 10 games or something along that line, they've been down two nothing in a hockey game. And though that just plays into the other hand or the other team's hands, uh, teams do not want to trade chances with the Edmonton teams do not want to get into a track meet with them. They don't want to exchange odd man breaks with them. And when you have a lead, like these teams are getting on the Oilers, they can play a very safe hockey game. And when they play safe, they don't give up odd man breaks. They don't risk anything. They clog up the middle. They clog up the blue line. They have four guys back because they don't have to uh, force a play because they have the lead. And the Oilers continue to give up leads in hockey games, continue to fall behind early in the game. Then they have to continue to, to push and chase and it's a word that Dave Tippett uses a lot because it's probably the best way of explaining what they're doing in hockey games they've got to be better out of the gates and they just aren't well and and when you talk about the word frustrating I I think I for me and we've we talk about okay you know, bottom six depth, uh, ups and downs with the the specialty teams. But it, it's the it's the starts that would f- would frustrate me the most, like the, that because that to me, Rob, and I, and I know you you've been there, and I'm just talking as as an observer. But to me, that's something that each and every player is in control of. Yep. You know, and and maybe you know, I, I will say this. I, I think if it's if it continues to be a problem. Then the coaching staff has to step step in somehow. I, I do think they've tried. Dave Tippett kind of hinted at a couple things he's tried over the years, and I I assume he's tried to incorporate them here. Um, so that, but that's what is continually uh, mind boggling to me. Like the Oilers are not a low scoring team. You know, it's it's not like we're saying, well, they, they they fall behind in the first 10 minutes of a game. But, you know, if you're crappy in every part of the game, well, then it's <laughs> it's not really just that that much of a problem. I, I mean, they got, um, you know, oddly enough, they've 
they're even after tonight they're a plus goal differential in the first though I think that's going off some of the games earlier in the season so that's the that's what I struggle to understand like if 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 it's this it's the same thing over and over again and and yes I know you said okay there have been a couple games where a goalie gave up a bad goal or whatever but a lot of times it's just lack of energy and lack of push early in a game. And, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, you can control that. Like you can at least play even some nights as opposed to being behind one nothing almost all the time. Well, and to me, it is, there are nights that it was lack of energy or a lack of push, but there's been a lot of nights it was, the, the energy was there, but they make silly mistakes. Tonight, the others started well. They were fine, and they made two big mistakes. One, I mean, they gave up a 2 on zero. They gave up a number of odd man breaks, and sometimes I think what the Oilers do is they uh, they come out with I don't know too much energy or too much push, and, and they just don't play smart. I think to me the biggest thing the Oilers lack early in hockey game hockey games is I don't know if hockey IQ or, or they they just don't play they don't play smart. Sometimes they play hard and they just they're not smart with what they're doing out there, and, and it costs them where they give up. They're they're over aggressive in the offensive zone and all of a sudden it's an odd man break going the other way or they're anticipating a play that doesn't work out now they're on the wrong side defensively uh or they turn the puck over in the wrong spot uh, tonight i don't think there's a lack of effort in the first 10 minutes of the hockey game yet they were down two nothing and just um, big big mistakes that the oilers have made and that's uh, the Oilers have the ability to control hockey games, and we've seen that. We've seen where they've gotten behind and absolutely dominated, you know, 20-minute stretches of, of third periods where you're thinking, okay, this game should be 8 nothing for the Oilers, but they're behind because of the start they had. So as when the one caller called earlier, I don't think there's one thing to why the Oilers f- fall behind. It's it, it, every game. It's a different reason. Oh, tonight they didn't play smart. Tonight they didn't play hard. Tonight they weren't energetic. Tonight they weren't thinking. Tonight they didn't get a save. All of those reasons are in it. But at the end of the day, the one thing that has been consistent about an inconsistent season has been the consistency of bad starts. All right, uh, let's go back to St. Louis. Here's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Coming out of that lengthy break. Um, <clears throat> I thought uh, did some things right, but. Uh, overall, I mean, we just gave him too many good opportunities, and Smitty had to make some big saves, and um, give him that many odd man rushes, and uh, that guy's come down two on zero and two on one, and good breakaways, and uh, good teams like that are gonna make you pay. Uh, Evan talked about the turnovers that they were far too frequent, especially on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, how does the team maybe kind of take the learnings from that, especially on game one of a five-game road trip, and maybe apply them heading into Friday? Well, yeah, I mean, you get on a road trip like this, and uh, simplicity uh, goes a long way, and um, even throughout individual games, I thought we were doing it at times, and uh, putting pucks behind them and getting a four-check going, and um, we just didn't do it often enough. I mean, it's got to be something that's ingrained in us that we're going to do it every shift, and uh, that's how you build a four-check, that's how you build a team game, and uh, tonight uh, that wasn't there for us. Uh, I know you guys erased a two-goal lead in this hockey game, but it did still feel like you guys were still a little bit behind or not necessarily playing up to your potential. Well, I mean, we, we did a good job fighting back, but then obviously uh, you give up that third one, and, uh, uh, and then uh, you start the third with the PK, and um, they capitalize, and 
and you're just chasing, and they're not going to try nothing. Uh, they're not going to give you anything easy, and uh, they're not going to turn the puck over, so it uh, makes it harder to come back. But um, like I said, I think we just uh, we need to keep it simple, and uh, I mean, that's... Uh, wasn't there, but watching the game in Seattle, the guys just put the puck in, went four check, create, created lo- lots of uh, loose puck turnovers, and uh, got chances from it. So uh, we need to be able to do that every night and uh, shift by shift. All right, it's Tri Nugent Hopkins. Oilers lose 4 2 to the Blues. Whenever Edmonton scores five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light. That allows you to go to 630shed.com and print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked before your eyes. Reserve now, JV Edmonton. CA. Randy on line two. Go ahead, Randy. Hey, good uh, good evening. Hey, listen, uh, Rob Reed, I really enjoy your show. I've been listening to you two for years. Oh, pardon me, huge fan of 630, Chad. Thank you. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm sitting here at the gun SO right now listening to, the, listening to the program only because I'm out of hours. What I'm trying to say is there's been no mention of money. Okay, now, I make three trips a week from Grand Prairie to Calgary. I get $550 a trip, and you know what? I'm happy with that. I think that's reasonable. But here's what I'm trying to say. There's been no mention of These guys, the kind of contracts that they're signing, and they're making millions of dollars, hey, I could see them walking off the ice after losing a game and maybe going down to the dressing room and saying, huh, well, Hey, I've got my two point five million dollar contract, or like it's the money. The money. Nobody's made any mention of the money. I haven't heard anything. But I think that that's a major factor. Like, like these guys should be disciplined. So do you do you think around the NHL players are more apathetic about their careers because of how much they make? Well, I mean, if, if I if I was losing game after game after game or I wasn't doing my job, like, hey, if I wasn't doing my job, I know where I'd be. I'd be down at Service Canada. And these guys are making millions of dollars, but, oh, well, we lost. <laughs> you know, or it's the coach's fault. Well, come on, guys, step up to the plate. Like, you know, you know what? For years now, I've been hearing excuse after excuse after excuse with the Oilers. Like, I mean, good God. Where, where does it end? Yeah, but you do know that the teams that are winning championships... You know, they're on a winning... Like, the, the last time that the Oilers were successful was, was with Glenn Sather and Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier. Well, how many times are we going to have banquet after banquet after banquet? Uh, you know, of, of praising these people. Like, I mean, like, I understand they're a part of history, but I mean, good God, let's move forward. Like, I'd say to guys like uh, Hopkins or or even McDavid, for example, like, hey, I don't want to see the posts of your home or or your beautiful uh, house on, on, on Facebook or whatever. Like, I mean, good God. All right, Randy. Thanks, buddy. Have a have a safe night. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers lose four two in St. Louis. We're gonna call a quick timeout. Harlan Ford overtime open line. Okay, Oilers lose four two to the Blues. Don wins a fifty dollar River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. River Cree set the line. I set it at two and a half total points combined by Fogel and Hyman. They got zero. It was indeed under River Cree Resort and Casino excitement. Bet on it. 
780-496-0063. Greg, go ahead. Well, I'm going to st- <clears throat> Good evening. I'm going to start by turning down my cell phone because it's... You guys are yelling in my ear. Wait, uh, anyways. Uh... It must be really difficult for these guys to play hockey in a, in a season like this. Like, you go and get the uh, World Juniors canceled in Edmonton. It's like, those boys are in, in St. Louis trying to play a hockey game, and now they, they realize that the World junior, the Juniors has been canceled in Edmonton. Like, it must be really difficult for these kids to play not just the the juniors but the oilers to play professional hockey in times like this and i just want to hear what you guys think about that like greg i've got to ask you a question i'm not trying to be a jerk okay i don't know if you're being sarcastic or not brother I, i don't know if you're being sarcastic or not Oh, I've been. Uh, oh, okay. No, I'm being serious. That uh, people ask me all the okay. that question all the time. Uh, all right. Then, in, in, to answer your question, then. Uh, but it, it would be like seriously. Like, okay, Greg. Hang on. Hang on. Rob's going to jump in. Everything in the world right now is hard. Whether it's a teacher going to work, a police officer, a bus driver, someone working in retail, the world is a weird place right now, and at times a little scary because of the the virus. I can tell you. Uh, from being around the players and never playing in this kind of thing, but being in a in a playing through tough times in my career, the one time that you feel safe, that you feel normal as a hockey player, is when you're on the ice. When they drop the puck, there is no other thought in their mind. There's no thought of World Juniors or COVID or what's going on at home. That's your one safe haven. So I don't think that once the players step on the ice, that they are affected by anything that's going on outside of the arena. Now, when it comes to traveling, when it comes to going into other cities, when it comes to hotels, when it comes to being at home with their families, then yes, it's, it would be, it's tough. But as far as playing the game, I do not think it's tough at all for these hockey players that that is where they want to be and if you listen to some of these players that are talking over the last few weeks they've talked about the fact that they'd rather have less testing they'd rather if if they are feeling good they want to play so i i sorry but i disagree with you when it comes to these kids or these players having a tough time playing hockey that is the one normal thing right now for them in this world is when they're on the ice. Everything else in the world it's is messed up. It's tough for the juniors up. to lose no, the tournament. No, uh, yeah, but I'm talking. He's, yeah, talk, no, sure. he's talking about the NHL players. Okay, Rob, we're not we got talking a, about we the got, juniors. We got to clip through a couple other uh, people here. We got Dolby on line two. Go ahead, Dolby. Hi, hello. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, yeah. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, everybody. Yeah, I go ahead. Like, I would just like to say that I think I'm a long time, born and raised in Edmonton. I live in Whitehorse, Yukon. And I follow everything. I just like to say, I think everybody just needs to calm down and just let it ride out. We're on a funk right now, and hopefully we get out of it. And if not, then we will see at trade time what to do. Like everybody's jumping on McDavid and Drysdale and Tippett, and I think we just need to just let it ride. 
Yeah, fair enough. Thanks, Dolby. We appreciate it. We'll also bring Ron from Red Deer onto the show. Hey, Ron. Hi, how are you guys doing? Rob? Reed? Yeah, good. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, man. I have been. I dislike some of the callers that were ahead of me. Like, wait, Rob, Reed, do you think about the money that you make doing your job? No. You do the job. No hockey player thinks about I'm making three million, seven million. It, it, it just that's just rude. Well, the thing and is, the teams that are winning championships, the things that I'm are winning championships, and feeling I've delivered so many deliveries to hotels, and the atmosphere in Red Deer is sad, very, very sad. I've seen the TSN trucks. I've seen TV, CTV. I've seen media trucks. And the atmosphere in Red Deer is very, very sad. And it's the politics, and I'm not going to give my opinion out, but the honesty of just simple, it, it just hurts. The, the, how everything's unrolling. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Ron. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. We want to get in one more little tight up against the clock here, guys, but we will get uh, Ed on as well. Ed, go ahead. Oh, hi. Yeah, I enjoy uh, hearing the games uh, uh, on the radio here, and I'm just uh, wondering about uh, if they're not putting too much stock in who scores first. I mean, wasn't there a time where that didn't matter? You know, like if they score two goals against the Oilers, it uh, doesn't matter. We're going to beat you 5-3 empty net or, you know, or something like that. Well, I'll, give you, the, I'll give you the stats you know? <laughs> just for the, these two teams. Uh, you know. When the Oilers score first, they are 10-0. When the yeah. Blues score first, they are eight four and four. When yeah, the Oilers allow the first goal, they are now eight and twelve. No, the Blues records are actually similar. Uh, sorry, they're nine four and four when they score first, nine five nine five and one when they allow the first goal. But I I, I went through yeah. this a few weeks ago. I think there were six or seven teams above five hundred when allowing the first goal. Every other team was uh, was below five hundred. So that's why we talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's too bad it matters so much, you know. Uh, it, it'd be great if they could say, well, fine, we're going to find a way to shut you guys down, and now we're, uh, we're going to score some goals and, and, and win the game. Now, the I guess I have a question then. Um, it, do they still refer that as trap-style hockey when they when they uh, they always have four guys in the back? Oh, good question. That's good. I, I, I don't think they're playing a trap. Yeah, they're playing I just... They're playing with just less so risk. I think they played that in Europe there for a while. They were guilty of playing trap-style hockey, and it was kind of a... Well, a lot of teams in the boring. NHL played it for a solid part of a decade or longer, too. But, yeah, I th- 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 thanks, Ed. Uh, yeah, Rob, what did they just call it? Like a, depending on how you line up, 1-2-2 one, two, two, or 1-1-3, one, one, whatever? Well, yeah, it, it's not a trap, because I played against a trap in New Jersey, and, and they just didn't even try to score ever. I think teams now, they just, once they get the lead, they just don't take any high risks. They, uh, 50-50 pucks, they they take the defensive posture, uh, get the puck at the red line, they dump the puck in, and then they counter-strike. And I think we saw that tonight a lot where St. Louis would wait for an Oiler mistake and then they would pounce. And I think that's what teams do against the Oilers. They wait for the Oiler mistake and that's how they try to create their offense. All right, Oilers lose 4-2 to the Blues. Next broadcast is Friday morning, 9.30 a.m. for the face-off show game at New Jersey will start at 11 a.m. Thanks to our studio producer, Angie Quinnell. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.